And Lord is, uh, again, having us go live this morning because he has something special to share with you. Many of you know that um, we had meetings last week that Michael and Telese, who is from Nigeria, well, they're both from Nigeria now, right? Uh, they're here with us. We went down to Lynchburg, Virginia last week for meetings uh, that went very well. I'm not going to get into explaining how that went and everything. But it is a very unique opportunity when we get to have Tewase with us. And so I want to take advantage of that. And I know the Lord wants him to share this morning to give you a perspective from perhaps a Nigerian point of view. When he is done, I will come back up because uh, I didn't know this until earlier this morning, but um, I'm about to jump out of my skin. Can I just say that? What, what the Lord has. So I, I'm excited for what he has. I want uh, you to prayerfully be in a place of reception of what he says through Tewase and what he says after that. So Tewase, if you would come up and uh, stand next to me. I'm going to pray before I have you speak. And here I'll have you hold that. But let me pray first and then, uh, and then we'll go. Father... We worship you. We praise you. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your intent. God, we say your will be done. What you have decided in heaven, let it be done here on earth. Let it be done even this morning here in this place. We trust you. I thank you for Tewase. As you have built a relationship between he and I and his team, and Ignition. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, oh, just for so many things that are to come. God, I thank you for his heart. I thank you that above all, he wants your will. He wants your kingdom to manifest here. I thank you for that. I thank you for what you are doing. I pray that you fill him with your Holy Spirit as you do me after that and speak your will. Use us merely as vessels to speak what you want. There is no desire in our hearts to speak of our own accord, but only what you want. We love you and thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Good morning, brethren. Um, Let me first of all thank uh, Pastor Greg, his wife, the leadership of Ignition 633, for this privilege to stand before you this morning. 
I do not take it lightly. I consider it a great privilege. And I want to thank God for that. Um, I just need to let you know that um, in the morning of May 3rd, 1986, that was when I met the Lord. I was on my way on top speed to hell. And then the Lord arrested me at the breakfast meeting of the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International in a place called Joss. Uh, some of you know Joss, uh, Plateau State. And from that moment, I've never been the same again. I've known the goodness of God, I've tasted of His faithfulness, and I've seen His love manifest in all ways. And I can stand before you today to say, I am a beneficiary of the faithfulness and goodness of God. Um, this morning, when I woke up to, to pray, um, many things came through my mind. And I said, one of them was, there's no way. I will be in Delaware, in Pastor Greg's house, no way if it was not God. And so I know that God has a purpose for connecting us. Then while I was praying, Lexus came with my laundry and I was very delighted. <laughs> uh, so really, I'm excited this morning and what has transpired here today, this morning, I know the Holy Spirit is here to bless us. Don't forget. Jesus said it was needful for him to go. <clears throat> for if he does not go, the Holy Spirit will not come. And when he comes, he will bring to remembrance the things that we need to remember. And he will also show us things to come. And so as an end time church, it's important for us to underscore that, to understand that. It's also important for us to know that the end time church of God is a church of multiple colors from every tribe and every tongue gathered at his feet. And because we're an end time church and that remnant that God is looking up to, it's good for us to have a global perspective so that you can situate yourself in what God is doing. Um, yes, we've, we've been here a few days um, when Greg called and said that it was important for me to be in the U.S. and be at the summit in Virginia. I wasn't thinking about it, but I knew it was the right thing to do. And this morning, I want to again Thank all of you for the love that you've shown. Um, my wife came back from church as I was praying and said she was out of church. And I told her I'm preparing for church. And she said, when I come, I should greet all of you. Um, so, for my wife, she extends her love to all of you this morning. Um, briefly... When the Lord called me, 1986, December 26th to 27th in the morning, I was asking, so why did you bring me here? 
Why is it now? He said to me, I will have to remain on Mount Zion. Of course, it took me quite a while to understand what Zion was. But as you know, upon Mount Zion there shall be holiness, there shall be deliverance, and the children of Jacob will possess their possessions. Um, each one of us must be on Zion for the assignment that God wants us to do. Because that's where deployment takes place. He comes to Mount Zion and he pulls you out and says, go and do that. Oh, go and do that. That's how it is. And as the end time draws near and nearer, this will be happening more and more. So, I'll give you a perspective. The Lord told me that night, <clears throat> he wants me to be in the public space. To be an example to the believers in purity, in charity, in conversation, and in faith. So that's why I'm in the public space, in the political realm, uh, where I've been for over 30 years. And in that period, um, you call it municipalities here. I've been a chairman, we call it local government. There, I've been a chairman of a local government. I've been a member of the Federal House of Representatives. I've been so many things, the last one being to be the chief of staff to the governor of Benway State. Some of you are familiar with the prophecy that's upon the two tribe. It says that the Holy Spirit is going to do a work in the two tribe. That work is going to affect Nigeria. That work is going to affect Africa. That work is going to affect the world. And so, it's important for us to have that global perspective. So, I'd like to say that that was a tribe that stopped the spread of Islam down south on the eastern flank of Nigeria. That was in the late, late, um, late 18th century, early 19th century. Not that they were Christians. No, just that they said they would not have any of that. And so, as they spread Islam on horseback and swords, was coming down that it was in Tivland that our great-grandfathers stood up and stopped it. And that's significant because one of the spirits that God will deal with in the end time with the spirit of Islam, you better know that. It's a global spirit. I'm not talking about Nigeria. I'm talking about a global spirit. Whether it's Afghanistan, or in Pakistan, or in Iraq, or 9-11, or in Israel, or wherever it is. Islam is a global spirit that has set so many billions in bondage. And you know, even lawful captives are going to be delivered. And the prayer of the mighty it's going to be set at liberty. That's how the end time will be. So in Nigeria, at independence, the British handed over power to the Fulanese who are actually visitors to Nigeria. And they had done a lot of conquests of that nation, of that land. It was in Nigeria then. And so when the British came and saw that they were organized, they walked through them. And at independence, on the 1st of October 1960, they handed over power to them. And that's what has gone on. 
They use Islam for the purpose of advancing what they want to do. So it is political Islam. And for the first time since independence, the new government that has come, the federal government that has come to Nigeria now has been a government that didn't come with the blessings of the Fulanese. Of course, they are not happy about that. And Benue State, in the last eight years, has had a, a very bad outing, a lot of killings, a lot of disruption. I came and saw some of the photographs there. Um, 19, 20, 2018 was the worst period when one day we had to bury 73 people. 73 people. I had the misfortune to be asked to be the chairman of the planning committee of the mass burial. And I can tell you, part of that, I needed to sign the death certificate of every one person that was killed. It's a requirement of the law. You have to sign the certificate. To do so, I must see the body before I will now sign the death certificate. And so I saw how every body was killed in a messless manner. It's an, it's an impression I will never forget until I die. So, this last election, what God did was to take away the control, one of the pillars that has controlled Nigeria, the influence of the Fulanese. And it's going on, but I want to say that by the grace of God, uh, they won't succeed and Nigeria will enter a new phase. It's for the church in Nigeria to understand because if you do not understand what is going on, you may not know how to pray. Uh, so, it's important for me to say, for you who have an eye in Benue State, therefore Nigeria, it's important for you to know so that when you pray, you do not join the crowd that do not understand. What God has done is to break the hold of the Fulanese on Nigeria. The next phase of it will be for the church to understand it and take advantage of it. So, I want to say that right now, both in Benue State, in Nasarawa State, and in Plateau State, those are the states that are in the middle part of Nigeria that have been worse hit by the effect of Islam and the spread of Islam. Three of those states, um, are, the elections came, they are being challenged, they are in court, but before the year ends, it will be clear, and I'm trusting God that the hand of God will be mighty and God's glory will be seen. Because the deliverance of those three states marks the deliverance, the beginning of the deliverance of Nigeria. The enemy is so scared because the determining factor of Nigerian elections is in the middle belt. So where they go determines the victory. That's why for the middle belt to go away from that control is a major distraction for them. And they're not happy. But I'm trusting that God will help us and he will sustain us. Um, as one of those people who has the privilege of God to be in the field, I'm a field man. I know that the next few months, few years are going to be very critical to what God is doing. Because when you free Nigeria, you will free Africa. As I'm sure you know, 
One out of every five African is Nigerian. One out of every five African is a Nigerian. Nigeria is 220, about 220 million people. So, when you affect, when you impact that number, it's going to affect the world. It's going to affect Africa. It's going to affect the world. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to say that Ignition is um, part of the remnant, so they're moving in the realm of the Spirit. To be where they are has to be God. For Ignition to be where they are, it has to be God. I don't have a doubt in my mind. And so you are at the cutting edge of what God is doing. So I want to, this morning, um, encourage every one of us to keep praying. But pray aright. Let's pray that what God has started to do in Benue State, He will sustain it. Let's pray that what God wants to do with Nigeria, He will fulfill the end time prophecy that Nigeria is supposed to achieve. Let's understand that. So that as you are praying, and we're asking, let His kingdom come first in our lives, then in our families, then in our communities, and then in our states. Then in our nations. Because that's how the end time church. That's what I was supposed to do. So as you broaden your vision. And not limit yourself just here. It's very, very important. That's what the end time church is supposed to do. To have a global perspective. Because when you have a global perspective. You can, you can situate what is happening wherever. In every part of the world. As far as it affects the coming of the Lord. When you have a global perspective, then you are able to interpret events and issues correctly. And I'm glad to be identified with uh, Ignition 63 because that's what you are doing. So this morning, uh, without taking too much of your time for that, let me conclude by saying that um, what God is doing in Nigeria is very, very critical to the freedom and the liberty of Africa. So, as you pray, let his will be done. Let his kingdom come so that the end time agenda of God will be fulfilled. For me, as a person, uh, it's important I'll let you know this. 17 January 2017, the Lord told me specifically the prayers you make for your country is like putting water in a basket. Because the foundation of your country is faulty. Do something about it. 17th January 2017. It took me a year and a half to really decode and understand what all that was about. To go to the foundation of the nation. That's why I was able to tell you at independence this is what happened. These were the spirits at play. That was when I could understand it very well. And so, as I pray, you see Jeremiah chapter 1, to pull down, to destroy, to uproot, and then to build and to plant. It is based on the revelation that God has given me. And that is why today we are putting together a prayer movement uh, called Prayer Force Interventions Initiative. Uh, which Ignition has had a very major role to play 
Because as insecurity was increasing in Nigeria, and as the economy was going down, it became important that for mobilization to take place, you needed technology. And Ignition was handy. They've helped us to put together an app for the mobilization. And before the year ends, we're going to launch it. What are we going to do? We're calling the church in Nigeria to a place of prayer. It's not a political party. We're calling the believers to a place of prayer. Because it's our duty to pray for our nations. That's what First uh, Chronicles seven fourteen says. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, and pray, I will hear from heaven and heal the land. That means the responsibility of healing the land is in your hands. It's not in the hands of unbelievers. It's not in the hands of unbelievers because the prayer of a sinner is an abomination to God. So he is you who are his righteousness in Christ Jesus that is waiting for your prayers. And God will not do anything except a man prays. That's why it's important for us to mobilize that prayer movement. And as the next few weeks ahead, uh, we'll be doing that, uh, calling the, 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 the Christians across the country to a place of prayer. By the way, the umbrella organization of the Christians in Nigeria is called Christian Association of Nigeria. They have already given us their blessings. Uh, that's why we are going to be launching it at the headquarters of the Christian Association of Nigeria. So you will join us to pray because <laughs> I, I, I said something which I'll say to you here. This power that the church has has not been able to utilize it, especially in Nigeria. I asked the assistant to the National President of Khan, Christian Association of Nigeria, I asked him a very simple question. What happens if one million mad people hold their voter's card? One million people. They are all mad, but they have a voter's card. Does he think the politician will ignore them? He said no. And I asked him, what if there are five million mad people, maybe all of them naked, but they are clutching to their voter's card? Will a politician ignore them? He said no. That's the strength. So we are calling people to pray. As they understand who they are, as the, no- the spiritual force is built, the demographic force will be built. That's numbers. That's how it works. A spiritual force and a demographic force. That's numbers. And those numbers can do anything. Because the raw material for politics is human beings. That's what the raw material for politics is. So, finally... Let me uh, ask for your prayers because the days ahead are going to be very critical for us to do this that has the potential to change the dynamic and the history of Nigeria. I trust that God in his infinite mercy will embolden us at the place of prayer so that we will pray so that his will will be done, like I said, first in our lives. We must first present our lives to him. First in our lives, then in our families, then in our communities. That's how to impact nations. I believe that the zeal of a lot of hosts will perform this in the name of Jesus. And I believe that God will find you faithful at your place of prayer so that this that he wants to do will come to light.
Because Benue must be liberated. Nigeria must be delivered. Because the kingdoms of Nigeria must become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. And he shall reign. That's the agenda. That the kingdoms of Nigeria should become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. That he shall reign. May this come to pass in Jesus' name. So, wow, there's just so much. I, I, I wish, time and time again, I wish I could take my brain and throw it into your brains. Because it's, it's, it's too hard to think of all the, all the stuff. And Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to say? Because what is going on in Nigeria is no small thing. It's important that Ignition here knows that and understands that. That the, the prayer forced project that Tewase is talking about, by the way, I am really a poor, uh, it, I, I know it keeps going down, I don't know why. Get some duct tape. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am a, a poor speaking host. Because uh, I, I did not, I did not say who Tewase is to us, who he is even to Nigeria. <coughs> he is a dear, dear close friend. Um, he is one of the first that I met when I started going there eight years ago. He was chief of staff for Governor Ortom at the time. And if you wanted anything done, you don't go to Governor Ortom. You go to Tewase. <laughs> he was the one who knew everything, who knew everybody. And that is proving critical even now for what the Lord wants to do in Nigeria. By the way, why Nigeria? I, I have asked the Lord that many times. But something that you may not know unless you read this banner over here, but the Tief tribe that makes up the majority of Benue, where we are, has their heritage with Israel. That is their heritage. That is their ancestry. They come from the tribe of Asher. So, they have a hold on God's promises in many ways more than others. Tewase, for a long time, as he said, has been working toward bringing the kingdom of God to Benue. In fact, that was his slogan for running for governor this past time was bringing, okay, it'll ring too much if I get up there, I know. Bringing the kingdom of God here to this earth. That's what, that's what Jesus paid for, that's what he wants. That's not just a slogan, it's a mandate. 
It's what he's doing. It's part of what he wants me to talk about this morning. Because when you look out into the world, you see things going on, and unless you have eyes to see and ears to hear, it will scare you. It's not supposed to. It's supposed to embolden you. It's supposed to excite you. It's supposed to give you clear eyes to see what God wants and the pathways that He intends because you have a voice in it. As Tewase said, prayer force is to bring together people to pray together, Christians to pray together. If we can't get them to go to church together, at least we got to start by getting them to do one thing together. I'll tell you what, prayer force needs to come to the United States. Because we are as separated as you are there. But if we could get that one thing together in unity, just that prayer, unity breaks down walls. Especially unity in prayer. Because God is looking for those who will speak His will and make it manifest here. It doesn't mean we have to manifest it. Because we can't. But we could speak it. And James tells us the power of the tongue. The authority of the tongue. And when that's unified together, there is nothing that scares the enemy more. So for the last few days, I've been talking to the Lord about Israel and about what's going on there. How does that apply to us? How does that, how, how are we to react in that? Lord, what's going to happen? What's really going on? I've been talking to him about it for a few days, and, and <laughs> I didn't know that he was going to have me talk on it this morning until this morning. And... We just need, I don't know, it takes time. You guys ready to be here till like Wednesday? <laughs> let, me, let me start by this. In, <laughs> you need us to provide lunch? Okay, we'll provide lunch. <laughs> um, in 35 years, or almost 35 years of, of teaching the Bible... Um, I've always believed that the war in Ezekiel 38 and 39 was before the rapture. I'll explain why I believe that just briefly, because you could go and verify it yourself. It's really not hard. When it talks about Gog and Magog, 
in the Word of God, it talks about him in basically two places. It talks about him in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and there's a war where they're brought into a war then, and Revelation 20. Well, if you look and study and understand the Scriptures, you know these are two very different times. Because Revelation 20 is after the tribulation. In fact, it's after the thousand-year reign of Christ. It is literally the end. In fact, we know immediately following that battle, which will not be much, God destroys them like that, we see the great white throne judgment. There are many things about Ezekiel 38 and 39 that are very different. One is that they spend seven months burying the bodies afterwards. But the biggest thing is there are only seven nations that come against Israel in Ezekiel 38 and 39, but in Revelation 20, it's the entire world. It says all nations, all evil, if you will. So I've always believed that it would be sometime before the rapture. I believed that it would be in my lifetime. And when Israel was attacked this last week, that clearly piqued my interest. I mean, first of all, we're, we're to pray for Israel. We're to root for Israel. We're to hope for Israel. We are grafted into his children. Not the other way around. They are family to us. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, they are family to us. So it piques our interest, and it piqued mine. And, and I'm watching and, of course, glued to the TV and seeing what's going on and all this. And it was interesting the scale at which Gaza or Hezb- uh, Hamas had success because they've not had that before. If you know anything about Israel, they have one of the greatest defense networks in the world. It's called the Iron Dome. It, it is a, because of their, a, their proximity to their enemies, it has to be accurate. It has to be foolproof. All the times in the past you, you see these flare-ups, and they're put down pretty quickly. They didn't have the success that this one had. I mean, if you consider the fact that I don't know, what's what's it up to 900 Jews, Israelis, that have have been killed or something? Is it more than that? 1,200? Considering that in the first day, Hamas sent over 5,000 rockets, that's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing that there weren't more casualties. But if you've been watching it all, it's ramping up. America has said we'll stand by Israel, which they should. They better. (laughs) 
Others have said the same. But that doesn't pique my interest. My interest was piqued when I hear what Iran was saying. Because Iran in many ways leads the Muslim Middle East. They're by far the strongest, the most capable. And so it piqued my interest when they started talking. When they boldly came out and said, we helped with the planning. I thought, wow, okay. Probably wouldn't have said that when Trump was around. And they wouldn't have. But we're a much weaker nation now. But that wasn't even what piqued my interest. What piqued my interest is what they said about the coming invasion into Gaza. And we'll see. We'll see if it's blustery words or if it's real. Because they said if Israel does this ground invasion into Gaza, then they will get involved. So that piqued my interest. Because it's setting the stage for something that I believe firmly is coming. And the Lord wants me to tell you about it because you are not to be afraid. Do you understand this? You are not to be afraid. In fact, if I were sitting in Israel, which I kind of wish I was, I would not be afraid. If I could get a flight in there, I'd go. Just so I could see the hand of God and what He's about to do. So, we're going to turn to Ezekiel 38 and 39, but I want to share something with you that kind of tied this together for me uh, within the last couple of weeks. It, before, before any of this happened with Israel. But the Lord said something to me a couple of years ago. In fact, He said it, November 13th of 2020, so almost three years ago now. <clears throat> Our court team had gone to court over an overstep that Satan had made that he was not allowed to make in the court. And so we went to court and we, we were dealing with that. And the father said something in court which he does oftentimes that had nothing to do with what we were talking about. It's like, here, let me just drop this little bomb here. And you can think about this. Let this simmer, and one day I'll tell you more about it. This is what he said. I will not deny the faithful. I will not deny the righteous. Then he said, watch. Watch as the wicked are driven from the nations and gathered on one shore where I will destroy them all at once. Man, i got to tell you, when I heard that, it was so heavy in my spirit. I remember for weeks I kept talking to him about it. 
Lord, you can't drop a bomb like that and not give us a little bit more. You know, I kept thinking that, of course, I'm picturing in my mind his enemies equating them with our enemies. And then I'm hearing about this thing that was coming and and it was like all the global leaders were going to be in Florida or on the East Coast somewhere or whatever. And I'm thinking, all to the same shores. Oh, oh, Lord, I'm watching this happen. You're going to take care of all these global leaders at once. And it didn't happen. It was like, okay. Wrong on that one. But yet, Lord, you made that statement. What does it mean? And it wasn't until recently that he connected it with Ezekiel 38 and 39. I did ask him later, I said, now, 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 Lord, you said on one shore. I said, what shore is it? Because at the time, I'm thinking, okay, now I'm not in a physical sense anymore. Lord, I'm with you. I'm in the Spirit. I'm thinking of the war between the two mountains. I'm thinking of the war with, with you know, Satan and his people and all this. So, Lord, I'm on the right track now, Lord. So what shore are you talking about? And he did say that the shore was a metaphor. Was that it was that he is bringing his enemies together to destroy them at once, to show his hand. I want you to turn to Ezekiel 38. We're going to read through this. Try and get through it. Quickly, hopefully. Ezekiel 38, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Mesech and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Mesech and Tubal. By the way, Mesech and Tubal are places. They, they were, if you look earlier in Ezekiel, you see they were, they were cities that did trade. Okay? So those two are places. And, and let me explain something else before we go on. I know there's a lot of conjecture out there about well, who is Gog and who is Magog? And I, I remember I used to believe what every good old Baptist believes, that, well, you know, Gog, uh, Gog, I think, was Iran and Magog was Russia or something like that. You can find a thousand of these ideas, and they're all wrong. Because it had nothing to do with the land mass specifically, but had everything to do with God's, Enemies. Who are God's enemies? It's the seed of the serpent. His enemies are the seed of the serpent. It is those who are called to fight against Him. Not, I mean, they can be nations, but not specifically nations. They are a people group. I'm not going to go down that trail, but if you want to go look and, 
And, and I think there was a podcast, I can't remember what it was called, something about two seeds. Go listen to that. Another one to listen to is a podcast that was called A Tale of Two Mountains. That sets up the battle that commences. It's not just a battle in the spirit. It's a battle in the physical. That's what Ezekiel 38 and 39 is. By the way, it says, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince. If you look at those words in the Word of God, they can mean, you know, certainly a prince of a city or a prince of a village, but that's what Michael was called when he came and Daniel prayed and he came and fought for Gabriel to be able to get down to Daniel with the Word. He was called the chief prince, Israel's chief prince. He was not a physical man. He was an angel. I believe that's what Gog is. I believe Gog is an enemy of the Lord. And so it doesn't have to be attributed to a certain nation. Are you following me on this? Okay. However, chief prince of Mesic and Tubal, those two are particular nations. Which ones? Have no idea. Don't care. They're all in the Middle East. We know that because that was the known world at the time. And, and by the way, Magog is not a separate. Magog was the area in which Gog had his authority. But let's turn to verse 4. This is where it starts to get good. And I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you out and all your armies, your horses and horsemen, all of them clothed in full armor, a great host, all of them with buckler and shield, wielding swords. What did he just say there? He said, I will. Who's talking? God. He said, God will. God will put a hook in their mouth. Have you ever been fishing and you catch a fish? Does that fish want to come to you? No. It becomes, it comes because it's got a hook in its mouth. You're drawing it to where you want it to be because you have control. God has control. He places a hook in the mouth of these nations, specifically this chief prince over those two nations that will then draw in by hook a total of seven nations. Not the whole world. Seven nations. It says here, verse 5, Persia, Cush, Put, are with them, all of them with shields and helmet. <coughs> Gomer and all his hordes. Beth Tagarma, from the uttermost parts of the north, with all its hordes. Many peoples are with you. So he draws all seven of these nations together. Verse 7. Be ready and keep ready, you and all your hosts that are assembled about you, and be a guard for them. 
After many days you will be mustered. In the latter years you will go against the land that is restored from war, the land whose people were gathered from many peoples, upon the mountains of Israel, which had been a continual waste. Its people were brought out from the peoples and now dwell securely, all of them. You will advance, coming on like a storm. You will be like a cloud covering the land, you and all your hordes, and many people with you. Thus says the Lord God, on that day thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil scheme and say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. By the way, don't be confused here. Because I was before. Don't be confused in thinking, well, this can't happen until Israel has the wall around the nation down. It's not what it says. It says that the villages are unwalled. Right? It doesn't say that there is not a wall around the nation. And proof of that, which we'll get to, down in verse 20, just the second half of it, and the mountains shall be thrown down and the cliff shall fall and every wall shall tumble. Okay, don't get stuck on the fact that, well, this can't happen now because there's still a wall around Israel. Them dwelling securely does not have to do with the fact that there are not people that hate them. You have to understand when this was written. When this was written, they were in exile. They were slaves. They were taken over. But ever since... 1968, they have been a nation coming together. Doesn't mean they haven't had war. Doesn't mean they, they haven't had people hate them or come against them. But yet, like other nations, they have dwelt securely. They are not slaves. They are not in exile. They are their own nation in their own land. I will fall upon the quiet people who dwell securely, all of them dwelling without walls and having no bars or gates. Verse 12. To seize spoil and carry off plunder, to turn your hand against the wasted uh, waste spaces that are now inhabited and the people who were gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell at the center of the earth. That doesn't mean they're at the center of the earth. That means this is the center of the known world at the time. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all its leaders will say to you, have you come to seize spoil? Have you assembled your host to carry off plunder, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to seize great spoil? By the way, don't think for a moment that there is not spoil in Israel. Do you know, get this, in terms of dynamic growth, Israel has the fourth largest economy among the nations in the world. It has the 13th largest GDP, gross national product, that's produced. Okay, now you've got to remember, Israel is about the size of New Jersey, 
landmass. And people-wise, it's about the size of Manhattan. It's got a little over 9 million people in Israel. Manhattan has like 8.5 million. So imagine that size being the number four dynamic, most dynamic economy and growing economy in the world. Do you think the other nations who hate Israel want their spoil? Better believe they do. Gaza doesn't want to lose what it has, but it has no right to be there in the first place. The Palestinians have no right to be there in the first place. Sorry, just got cut off Facebook. And YouTube and everything else. We are now dormant. That's all right. Because it's heard in the spirit. They have no right. Because it's not their land. It's what was given to the children of Israel. Even when they took it, they didn't take all they were supposed to. Even to this day, and man, I love Joshua. But I'd love to just slap him. Why didn't you end the nations that you were told to end? But because, the Bible says in Joshua, because he didn't, they will be there as a thorn in their side. Yeah, well... This is where the thorn comes to a head. And we're in those times, guys. Verse 14, Therefore, Son of Man, prophesy and say to God, Thus says the Lord God, On that day when my people Israel are dwelling securely, will you not know it? You will come from your place of the uttermost parts of the north. You and many people with you, all of them riding on horses, a great host, a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud covering the land. In the latter days I will bring you against my land that the nations may know me. When through you, O Gog, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. And let these words be weight on your spirit. Verse 17, thus says the Lord God, Are you he of whom I spoke in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel? who in those days prophesied for years that I would bring you against them. But on that day, the day that Gog shall come against the land of Israel, declares the Lord God, my wrath will be roused in my anger. For in my jealousy and in my blazing wrath, I declare on that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens, and the beasts of the field, and all creeping things that creep on the ground, and all the people who are on the face of the earth quake shall quake at my presence. And the mountains shall be thrown down, and the cliffs shall fall, and every wall shall tumble to the ground. I will summon a sword against Gog on all my mountains, declares the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, They'll literally turn on each other. With pestilence and bloodshed, I will enter into judgment with him. Man, 
you got to pull that apart, but it's this is not something that happens in a 24-hour period. At least the setup takes some time because pestilence is in there. He doesn't just come against them with the sword. He comes against them with disease. And I will rain upon him and his hordes and so many people who are with him torrential rains and hailstones, fire and sulfur. So I will show my greatness and my holiness and make myself known in the eyes of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. I'll tell you, so many theologians here try to figure out how that applies to, to the military. Well, I rain down fire and, and there's this and there's that. Well, that, you know, the, the, there's, this, there's this ballistic missile that could do that that kind of looks the same. Mm-mm. These will be miracles, guys. Because the Lord said He will do it. And no person will take any credit for it but God. Because it will be His hand. I mean, you could sit and think what that could be. I, I don't know, a meteor shower come flaming down. I mean, happened before in the Bible. In fact... How incredible is it that a meteor shower is so accurate that it hits only the enemy and didn't hit Israel? That's insane. God's a sharpshooter. Think about it. He really is. And you, son of man, verse 1 of 39... Prophesy against Gog and say, Thus the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Message and Tubal. (coughs) And I will turn you about and drive you forward and bring you up from the utmost parts of the north. If you want to know what that means, by the way, guys, go listen to the podcast, A Tale of Two Mountains. It explains it. Okay, it doesn't mean that all the armies, that it's just a geographical thing. It is the war that has been going on in the Spirit since the very beginning of Genesis, since the fall on chapter 3, since, since the flood in chapter 6. That's what he's referring to when he's talking about the north. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, because if, if you think north, well, okay, in reality, Lebanon, they're, they're kind of west. They're not super north. They're a little north. But they're, they're really more west. Well, Lebanon holds the mountain that is Satan's mountain, Lucifer's mountain, which is Mount Hermon. Just go listen to the podcast. I'm not going to take time to, to go down that. Point is, we know from chapter 38 that it's seven nations. I think that's a key. Uh, I will turn you about and drive you forward and bring you up from the utmost parts of the north and lead you against the mountains of Israel. Verse 3, Then I will strike your bow from your left hand, and I will make your arrows drop out of your right hand. You shall fall on the mountains of Israel, you and all your hordes and people who are with you. I will give you to birds of prey for every sort and every beast of the field to be devoured. 
You shall fall in the open field, for I have spoken, declares the Lord God. I will send fire on Magog and those who dwell securely in the coastlands, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Okay, that's an indicator that it doesn't just happen right there in Israel where they're coming against. It goes back into their land. Because it says, into the land of Magog, this will be sent. God will send this fire. Verse 7. And my holy name I will make known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let my holy name be profaned anymore. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Behold, it is coming, and I will be brought about, declares the Lord God. That is, that is the day of which I have spoken. I won't get into it, but man, you know, for those of you who rip this stuff apart and study it, look at the bridges between this and the day of the Lord. We've already talked about there being two days of the Lord, right? There's a foreshadowing in which we're in right now that we'll have a day of the Lord. Then there will be a day of the Lord in the tribulation. Don't assume that there is just one. Because there is a shadowing, and this was, this was hidden from the prophets of old, because it was hidden from the enemy. The whole mystery that Paul talked about was the church, and all these things coming out, this battle to take back what was rightfully God's children's, and not the enemy's. In fact, the book of Zechariah talks about Two days of the Lord. If you really pull it apart and study, it talks about two different days of the Lord. So that's what it's referring to here. Uh, verse 9 Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go and make fires of the weapons and burn them, shields and bucklers, bows and arrows, clubs and spears, and they will make fires for, of them for, the, for seven years so that they will not need to take wood out of the field or cut down any out of the forest, for they will make their fires for the weapons. By the way, that's how you know this isn't after the thousand-year reign. Because it said for for seven years they won't have to to cut down any, any heating oil or any energy if you want to look at it that way. And, and in Revelation 20, we know immediately following is, is the, uh, the great white throne judgment. So there's not a seven year period after that. I will set apart men to travel through the land regularly and bury those. Wait, verse 13. All the people of the land will bury them. No, sorry, verse 12. For seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them, all those that are killed, in order to cleanse the land. All the people of the land will bury them, and it will bring them renown on that day that I show my glory, declares the Lord. They will set apart men to travel through the land regularly and bury those travelers remaining on the face of the land so as to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will make their search. And when these travel through the land and anyone sees a human bone, then he shall set up a sign by it till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Hemon Gog. Hemon, 
Hamona is also the name of the city, so there will be a city there. And it's basically the valley of Gog. That's what that means. Verse 17, As for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, Speak to the birds of every sort and all the beasts of the field. Assemble and come, gather from all around to the sacrificial feast that I'm preparing for you, a great sacrificial feast on the mountains of Israel. And you shall eat and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, of he-goats, of bulls, all of them fat beasts of Bashan. By the way, when you, when you see the, the word Bashan there, and, and especially beasts of Bashan, um, that is referring to, again, go listen to the tale of two mountains, because that's dealing with far more than just a, a locale or, or a, a specific nation. And you shall eat fat till you are filled and drink blood till you are drunk at the sacrificial feast that I am preparing for you. See, all throughout this, the Lord is saying, He's the one doing this. And you shall be filled at my table with horses and charioteers, with mighty men and all kinds of warriors, declares the Lord God. And I will set my glory among the nations, and all the nations shall see my judgment that I have executed and my hand that I have laid on them. The house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. And the nations shall know the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity because they dealt so treacherously with, with me that I hid, from my fa- hid my face from them and gave them into the hand of their adversaries. Verse 21 on is talking about real time for them because they were in exile. And it, he, this was a prophecy showing what was to happen, and it was because of how Israel was, but that he would restore Israel. So all throughout this, it is saying that God is the one doing this. Now, I don't know if it's right now. That's why I said I watch Iran. Because they're the leader in this. And what they do, now if they back off, they get afraid, back off, whatever, then it's not time yet. But believe me, we will see this. It will happen. Now I'll tell you, just from my own personal belief, I believe it's going to ramp up. And, and I believe this because of things that I've heard from other prophets. Heard from two, specifically, about this same thing. About And, and this kind of comes back to what's going on here. Because I keep thinking, okay, let's say they do, in, let's say Iran gets involved, and all the other nations there get involved too. That really doesn't make sense to me because immediately the U.S. would get involved, you would think. And, and even if we have a feckless fake president, the people would not allow for us not to stand up for Israel. You know, there, there's enough representation in Congress and the Senate and everything else that, that it would get pushed through if it can I was asking the Lord about that. And the Lord said to me, he said, it's not that the U.S. won't want to help. 
He said, they won't be able to. They'll be distracted. Won't be able to. Because the very thing that distracts them will be their own war. And then I heard, I can't remember who the two were. Lex, you sent one of them to me, but it was that one that you you posted. I can't remember the guy's name. I think Julie was the other one that said that there is an attack on the U.S. that's imminent. Okay, I'm sorry, but you don't even need a prophet to tell you that. If we're letting almost 20,000 people through our southern border that we don't know who they are, go figure. I, I, mean, I mean, Israel didn't do that. And look at what happened there. We did that. Our, our, attack, <coughs> our attack is not going to come from external means. It doesn't have to. Our attack will come from internal means that they've been probably setting up for a while. But you've got to recognize something. This is what God is doing. This is what God is doing. This is not something He is warning you of so you could get worried and be afraid. Just the opposite. Get excited. America won't be able to help when this happens because America will be dealing with her own issue. Lord told me years ago that America will be in civil war and then there will be a global war. That civil war, the Lord said, would be very short. Now, I don't know what short means to him because soon to him means something very different to me. But I'm just assuming short means short. That would certainly make sense if that's what took us away. And don't think that it's not calculated. It will be calculated. I had this thought that, you know, China is blustering so much about taking Taiwan Taiwan isn't what they want. They want America. And I think they know that their time with lousy leadership is drawing short. I don't know, that's just conjecture on my part. But I'm telling you, whatever happens, we will not be able to help. So watch. Watch what goes on. I find it interesting that, that Israel gave 24 hours for them to get out of Gaza because they're coming in with ground forces. By the way, they're not coming in just to get the hostages. If, if you're paying attention at all, if you're listening to Netanyahu at all, Gaza is going to cease to, or Hamas, sorry, Hamas is going to cease to exist. That's what he said. He said, we will, yes, obliterate Hamas. Well, you've got a lot of brothers in there. You've got Hamas. You have Hezbollah. You have a lot that will come together in that fight. 
I just find it interesting that it's been more than 24 hours. Don't think for a second that Israel's getting scared. Because they do know the God of the Old Testament that brought them together as a nation just 60 years ago, or whatever it was. Their plan to move forward will move forward when, when God intends it, because God's putting this whole thing together. I'm going to end it on this note, because I want you to be encouraged. When you hear wars and rumors of wars, <laughs> that's not something to be afraid of, guys. Because God has put his children in the driver's seat. He's put his children in a place of protection. Literally, what he is doing is for his children. A little over a year ago, the Lord took me to the Holy Land. Or the part that's supposed to have been the Holy Land actually never set foot into Israel. But he took me to Mount Nebo where Moses stood before they left. And, and God had him look all around. He said, look all around. This is the land in which I've given. Moses was never allowed, because of his own sin, never allowed to go in because of a misrepresentation that he did before the children of Israel. But from that mountain, you, you look, I, I stood right there, you, can, you look out into this valley, you see the Dead Sea down there, you see Israel off, or I mean uh, Jerusalem off in the distance, you can see to the far left where Gaza is, like if you were on that hill, you could probably see all the rockets, all you know, from that vantage point. He took me there a little over a year ago. And I want to read to you. I didn't think I would, but he wants me to read it. Because I don't think I read it before. Do you remember, Bryn? I don't think I read this publicly after I went. <coughs> but he, he had me go there. And I spent time in Iraq, I spent time in Jordan, but then he had me take a day and go up to Mount Nebo, and I was there with, uh, went with Bill, a um, friend of ours in ministry, but then when we got up to Mount Nebo, I just spent a few hours on my own, talking with the Lord, walking around, asking him what he, want, what he wanted. And this is what he spoke through me, and uh, it was recorded and written down. And he wants me to share it um, publicly now. This is a declaration over Israel. I read from Deuteronomy 34, verses 1 through 12, and it says this. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the people of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land of Canaan, this is the land that shall fall to you for an inheritance. The land of Canaan as defined by its borders. Your south, south side shall be from the wilderness of Zin alongside Edom. And your southern border 
shall run from the end of the salt sea on the east. By the way, that's, that's the Dead Sea there. Uh, and your border, I, I believe, and your border shall turn south of the ascent of Akrabim and across to Zen, and its limit shall be south of Kadesh Barnea. Then it shall go unto Hazar Adar and pass along to Esmon. And the border shall turn from Asmon to the brook of Egypt, and its limit shall be at the sea. For the western border you shall have the great sea and its coast. This shall be your western border. This shall be your northern border. From the great sea you shall draw a line. By the way, the great sea is the Mediterranean there. You shall draw a line to Mount Hor. From Mount Hor you shall... Draw a line to Lebohamath, and the limit of the border shall be at Zedad. Then the border shall extend to Zephron, and its limits shall be at Hazaranan. This shall be your northern border. You shall draw a line for your eastern border from Hazaranan to Shepham, and the border shall go down from Shepham to Riblah, and the east side of Ain. And the border shall go down and reach to the shoulder of the sea of Chinnereth on the east. And the border shall go down to the Jordan and its limit shall be at the salt sea. This shall be your land is defined by its borders all around. So before I get into what he had me declare, recognize that Israel does not live within the borders that they were allowed. In fact, they actually live in a very small percentage of the land that was promised to them in Deuteronomy. Then the Lord had me declare this. And I I said this aloud from the mountaintop there. I walked off. I was standing on the edge of effectively a cliff. I, I climbed over this fence And luckily, nobody was there, so they didn't stop me. But I I walked over to and stood on this cliff, the furthest edge that I could stand toward Jerusalem. And I said, Hear, O Israel, what the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob says. You have rejected my son Jesus, your Messiah. But this rejection opened a door that none can close. I have adopted sons and daughters that I have taken as my own because my love could not be quenched. Israel, yet even in your rejection, you shall receive the entirety of the land that I have promised to give to you. And yet you will see that it will not be a Jew that I will use to bring this land to you, but instead I will use a Gentile one of my adopted sons. In addition, you will have peace in a land that has seen no peace. But know that it is not by your hand that I will accomplish this promise as was my desire. But from the hands of my adopted children, my heart's desire, my precious Israel, is that you will see this and become jealous. 
you will see that all I have wanted to do in you, I will now do through the faithful remnant of my adopted children. Let your hearts burn with the desire of my promises and receive my son Jesus as your Messiah. Would I not joyfully graft in again the natural shoot? Father, you have placed before me a calling to complete what Moses began but could not finish. I fully accept this calling as your humble servant, and I give you my complete will and body to accomplish your desire. I declare this agreement with your will in Jesus' name. I further declare revival to break out in this land so that Israel might be jealous. I hereby claim this region for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is no longer under the authority of Darian the prince of Persia or any under him who have taken authority in this region. I declare the command of eviction of all Satan's forces from this land. You no longer hold the authority or right to control this land or this portal. And I claim authority over this land and this portal in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of hosts. He is the true authority and he is the landlord of the earth. Your eviction is final and incontestable as it has been decided by the Father in the court of nations. I release two of my angels in conjunction with the rest of my team that will release theirs. You are to each work in unity to keep all trespassers off this land and off of the spirit flow portal which it stands. Any witch that attempts to work through this place or on this land is sentenced to death and you are to take their lives. I command the waters that flow underneath this land out to its entire region to be completely cleansed and are to be monitored by these angels that have been released. The seat of power represented by this mountain on which I stand and this entire region is now claimed under the authority of Lord Jesus Christ as His. All of this declaration and sending is done in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of hosts, and by the power of His blood. I further command the destruction of this mountain, the seat of authority on which I now stand. Let the destruction of this mountain be a sign that the power that once reigned here for millennia no longer reigns. I command this destruction in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Creation, rise up. And recognize the sons of God. It is time to fight for them as the Father has instructed you. That blew me away. Like I was just speaking with the Lord, filled me to speak. I didn't recognize until just this morning what it said in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that when He sends this earthquake, Everything will shake. Everything will tremble. But it said the mountains will be laid low. That mountain that I stood on, Mount Nebo, will be destroyed. It was the very thing that He had me declare. 
Guys, this has nothing to do with me. Please understand that. I don't claim any position in this outside of what God has placed me in. The reason I say it to you, the reason I read that to you, is because you have to understand God is at work in this. Have a confidence in what you see. When I ran wells up to come against, when things happen in the U.S. like they have been, some of the ridiculousness that we see, no God is at the helm of all of this. He is literally bringing this change because His remnant has cried out for it. And He's ready for it. And it's time. The readying of the bride. It's time for that. Ignition. You have a calling that the majority of you have no idea of its depth. I encourage you, go deeper with the Lord. Ask Him. Because it's not just some small piece. The remnant is small. The remnant is not a large group of people. I don't know how many. I do know after all this, only a third of the bride is left. So the remnant's a lot smaller than that. You need to seek God in your portion and what your calling is. Stop letting your mind be in this world. Stop getting distracted by what you see. Stop being afraid of what might come. I asked you a few weeks ago, are you ready? What would you say if there was an invasion and they said to you, Proclaim Allah or die. I don't know. I mean, these are real possibilities. Just know that it is better to be in the will of God than to even take another step on this earth. I know what I would say because the Lord showed me my calling. He's shown me what I'm supposed to do. He's even shown me my death. And that's not it. And I feel in my heart I would tell him that. Because you can't stop what God intends to do. And what He intends to do in you, no one can stop but you. You're the only one who can stop God from doing His will in your life because He won't force it. So don't get caught up in all the rabbit trails of everything going on and trying to figure out all the little connections and everything else. 
I mean, it's interesting. Do it as the Lord leads you, but don't get caught up in it because what you're going to find is you're going to miss the big picture. The big picture is He has us here in Elkton. He has us over in McCurdy. (coughs) Why? You ever ask yourself that? Why are you here in ignition? You ever ask the Lord that? Is it just because maybe you didn't like other places? Well, you know, I I just kind of... When I came here, I, I, I prefer, you know, going to church in a shop that had a concrete floor with oil on it. I don't know. No, there's a reason you're here. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you are here, it is no small thing. It is no small thing. You are called to stand up to nations. Because that's what we're called to do. At the very least, this nation. (laughs) But know that it's what God does. Because with his power, the enemy will be devastated. I mean, think about that. They encircled to come against Israel to literally take God's blessing because of the fruit of their land. And God shows his hand. It says, it says his anger is stirred. I don't know, I I feel he's pretty angry now. He's acting on behalf of his children. But you start messing with the very fundamental prophetic promises of the Lord and watch out. I speak that out against those Islamic nations that will choose to come against Israel. They won't just be stopped. They'll be destroyed. And not just there at Israel's border, but as it says in the Word of God, He will go into their land and spoil will be taken. Don't be afraid. Unify in prayer. You know, that's where our power is right now. God has promised the falling of His Holy Spirit that will bring power into our calling. But it doesn't mean that we're powerless right now. There is power in unified prayer. There is power in declaration. I know in my calling... It's not just about the Lord telling me something. Just like this. I would have been disobedient if I did not declare it out loud. Because, see, he needs the enemy to hear it so the enemy sees the agreement between us and God. This isn't about who's bigger. Okay, Satan has has no dog in that fight. 
He, he's nowhere close to the power of God. That's not why God does this. That's not why he partners with us. He partners with us for the very reason he created us in the first place. He's fighting for love. He's fighting for deception to be destroyed. So love and that intimate relationship that was started with Adam and Eve and stolen can be fulfilled. That's what he's doing. Be excited about it. I pray for Israel. And I declare against their enemies. Don't stop praying for Israel. But be excited to see as this sets up. I don't know the timing. I just know that as I was talking to the Lord about this, this all this stuff he took me to, so you can, you can weigh the timing scale of that all you want. I can tell you that we have the news on pretty much all the time. Because <laughs> I, I want to know. I want to know when Israel goes into Gaza, which never should have been Palestinian anyways. I want to know, is Iran going to follow through with their threats? Or will they be cowards? I suspect... They'll want to be cowards because they're all cowards. But God's got that hook. And he's already set the hook. And he's starting to reel. So don't be afraid of what God is doing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. I thank you for this word this morning. I thank you for your intent I thank you that this world is yours and not the enemy's. Father, we have asked forgiveness in the past for forefathers of not just this nation, but every nation on earth that have stewarded incorrectly your gifts. But we ask that your will be done. That as you place your remnant into places of leadership, that we steward rightly. And we can't do that without you. In fact, we have to be filled by you. Your Holy Spirit in operation through us to even be able to steward properly. So, Father, I ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and not be afraid of what we see, but see your hand move. We, in unity, pray for Israel. I pray for her protection. I pray that you show her, as you did in this word, that it is you and your Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that offer this relationship to them. Thank you, Lord. I pray for Benjamin Netanyahu. Give him wisdom 
I pray that you give him wisdom over and above even what he would believe about you. I don't know him. I don't know what he believes. But I know that he has very difficult choices to make. I pray for a continued boldness of his. I ask, Father, that that they would not turn back. I ask that even now they would take what was rightfully theirs from the beginning. We stand in agreement with your will. We pray that it be done. In Jesus' name, amen.